time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 68 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. Today we're brewing coffee that was given to us from our sponsor, Andrea, over at Chicken Love Box. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Oh, this deliciousness is called Snow Joe. It's delicious. It really is good. Andrea, thank you for this delicious coffee. It's keeping us warm and it's chilly. It has some chocolatey notes to it. It does. I like it. Mm. It's yummy. So, are we ready to sip our Snow Joe coffee and chat? Of course. So, how are you doing? Doing well. We will probably be dealing with this in upcoming episodes, but we've been dealing with more zinc poisoning in our flock. Not fun. Not fun. It's been incredibly stressful. I just thank goodness that, A, we have an excellent vet, Dr. Rebecca, and B, that my husband is so incredibly patient and supportive because we are having to do some major redoing oh, yeah. of our runs. Which is going to be happening pretty soon. I, we're working on it as we speak. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't want that sink to get in. And you've also sent soil in to be sampled. Right. To see if it's in the soil, how it's getting in there. Yeah. And in the meantime, we've identified what we think are the two most probable avenues. And we're working on remediating that. Yeah. We'll talk all about it in an upcoming episode. Oh, it's going to be an episode, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. if you're dealing with it, there's other people out there that are dealing with it, or maybe they don't know they have it. Yes. Without the help of Dr. Rebecca, there's no way I would know this. Yeah. I mean, there's things that we'll be talking about, like the signs to look for and everything, but that's going to be an upcoming episode. Other than that, just thankful that it's getting a little warmer. Holly Ann does not like chilliness, and neither do I. Uh Uh-uh. But it's close to, you know what? Chick time. No. Well, it's, it is close to chick <laughs> I was thinking of something else, but it's close to. Okay. It's you- March 15th. There's something that comes up on March 17th. Oh, St. Patty's Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're Irish. I am. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of St. Patrick's Day. Well, I have a little something to say. Okay, go they ahead. They say everybody has a little Irish in them, especially on the 17th. Everybody but one type of person. Yeah. That's Italians. I we respect are that. Full fledged, hot blooded Italians. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. See, my thing with St. Patrick's Day is Ireland is a land filled with culture, music, poetry, literature, and it's all boiled down to Lucky Charms and green beer. Oh, yes, it is on the 17th. I'm like grinchy about it. We do celebrate. We do dress green over here. The girls wear green to school. My mom always has little packages. She's famous for giving gifts for a little holiday. Your mom's adorable on the holidays. That's, yeah, we she get, really is. We get a gift for every little holiday there is. And we do get our shamrock lucky beads. And oh, okay. Headbands and scarves. Nice. And I'll tell you the green I want to see on St. Patty's Day. Money. And that is. No, that's not what I was thinking, but that is always welcome. I know. Absolutely. The green I was thinking was green eggs. And ham. To be veggie ham. No one has invented a good veggie ham. The only thing that I have had before, and it's gone away, which I was so thankful for, was lunch meat that was turkey ham. And it was delicious. Oh, I bet it was. Yeah. But they don't have a veggie ham. As a vegetarian, I've never found anything that even comes close to the taste of ham. Green eggs and veggie ham. (laughs) Green eggs and tofu. Green eggs and soda bread. I do love me some soda bread. I love me a lot of things right now, but where is it for Weight Watchers points? (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other episode. (laughs) For reals. Okay, so we're going to take a second to ask everyone a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. We love them. It does amazing things for the growth of our show, for real. It really does help the podcast grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can head to our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts we have on offer. Oh, they're cute. You can become a patron of the show. You can visit us at patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. You can check out our levels of membership, which include a free monthly bonus episode, and a monthly happy hour Zoom call. It's been so much fun yeah. lately. We've had a lot of Thank people show up. Thank you for everybody for joining and coming. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for show and tell at the end of the month. It's a good time and it's building a nice <laughs> community. Yeah, it's been fun. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. 
You can share your favorite episodes on social media. And the other thing you can do to support the podcast is head to the affiliate links in our show notes and buy products from our sponsors. Yeah! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of March, you can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens or ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. It is so soft and so cute. In the March box, I absolutely love the string of fabric prosperity chickens and the blank watercolor chicken note card. I love those amazing chicken salt and pepper shakers. They look so cute in my kitchen. And Strong Animal Chicken Essentials has their flock fixer in the box. You can't go wrong with it. Boxes start at $39. They ship immediately after your purchase and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Now it's time for Breed Spotlight. <laughs> I see where you're going. This week's breed is the, the death layer. The death layer. And you have to say it like this, the death layer. I'll just let you do that for me. The first two things you will notice about this breed are their name, the death layer, and their beauty. They're beautiful. They are absolutely gorgeous chickens. <laughs> you don't have to say that in the creepy way. It's the death layer. She's turned into the wild Italian vampirist. <laughs> I really think that the huge interest that you see recently in this chicken either comes because the name is so evocative. Yeah. Or because you're a true chicken fancier and you've seen them and they're gorgeous. I think the first thing is the name. It's kind of like when you go into the liquor store and you look at the labels and that draws you into the wine. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I was just doing some idle searching online to see what people say about this breed. And there's a death layer of wine? No. On one of the chicken forums, someone said, I keep seeing references to this death layer chicken. Why is it called a death layer? Do the eggs poison you? It's death layer because they lay eggs until death. That's the most frequent translation you see. So they're a German breed. They're several hundred years old, an old breed. Yeah. And they're commonly known as the Totlegger or Westfalish Totlegger. This is supposed to translate to the everyday layer from Westphalia. And that makes sense. Yeah. Westphalia, the region they're from, which right. was actually part of the former Prussian Empire. Right. Now part of the Northern Rhine region of Germany. Some people say death layer comes from the nickname everyday layer, as in they'll lay every day until they die. That's everything I've read and heard is that they lay every day until they die. Other people say that the translation has something to do with the way the actual word itself has evolved yeah. in German. We're just going to go with they lay every day until they die. They're a good layer. Excellent layers of medium-sized white eggs. And everybody needs some white eggs in their rainbow eggs. It really does make all your colors stand out. It it's makes true. those colors pop. One thing about them, even though they're excellent layers, they don't really go broody. They're not good setters. Yeah. They're a very rare breed in their native Germany. Uh -huh. That's for sure. Yeah. And they're a very rare breed in the rest of the world. Yeah. Despite the name, I have this nostalgic image of them. These beautiful old-fashioned chickens. Like you would see a flock of them scratching around a country farmyard in pre-World War I Germany. My vision is Harry Potter. I know what your vision is. <laughs> the name just takes you back to like a Harry Potter character or something. You know, we like to do stories behind the breeds. And there's just not a ton of story about this chicken right now. It's just a German chicken, very it rare, was, very old, that very, lays very well. Yeah. I mean, it was a very, very popular chicken at the time. It's become popular again because of the evocative name and because it's gorgeous. The one little thing we did find about them that's kind of interesting is if you compare them to a couple of other breeds, they're very, very similar in appearance. The Egyptian Fayumi. Yes. And the Campine. 
they all have that similar white kind of head and neck yeah with the speckled body the tight it's it's like tight barring on their body but they also come in golden they do and actually all those breeds come in a golden variety too they all lay white eggs it's a smaller white egg and I've noticed that before. I mean, they each have their own little distinct differences. Yeah. But they're so similar. There must be some kind of really old backstory on them. I mean, we know that the Fayumis are extraordinarily old. Exactly. So you wonder maybe these breeds evolved from them. And that you couldn't find it amazes me. It's entirely possible that there might be written records of this buried someplace, maybe correspondence. But I'm not going to be trolling the archives of Germany or not Egypt. Right now. now of all these breeds, we think that the Fayumi is the oldest. Now, what did you find for personality? Do they tend to run the same way that, say, the Egyptian Fayumis do, where they're a little high-strung? Or... I saw multiple things. I saw that they are very active, but fairly gentle. Okay. I also saw that they get antsy if they don't free range. Okay. I saw them called flighty, but then I also saw them called content as long as they have their foraging time. Okay. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. That kind of does remind me of the Egyptian fingers. Absolutely. I mean, a lot. A lot. If you're listening to this, look up both chickens and you will see exactly what we're talking about. To make it interesting, throw the campaign in there as well. Yeah. They had to somehow evolve from each other. They are a bit bigger than the Fayumi, and they also are supposed to be reasonably cold-hardy. They're a smaller-bodied chicken, but I will tell you that the Fayumis do not like the cold. Really? Yeah. So what do they do? Do you notice them like go into the coop a lot more? Oh, yeah. They'll hunch. They squeeze up against the fluffy girls to try to stay warm. They definitely do not like the cold. The death layers are small-bodied. The roosters are supposed to be about an average of five and a half pounds and hens about four. I do think that's a little bigger than the Fayumis. Unlike the Fayumis, they have a cushion comb. They don't have a ton of comb, although the roosters have a decent amount of waddle. Right. They have white ear lobes, and they have those big, dark eyes. Come closer so I can bite you. Well, that's just Delilah, (laughs) but yeah. (laughs) Did we bring up the fact that these are not APA recognized? That's crazy to me. I suppose there just haven't been enough of them around that they were introduced. You know, they were sponsored to have a standard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there's ever been much of a presence of them in the U.S. Well, we do know the one place that has them, the Green Fire Farm. Right. They imported the silver death layers in 2016 and the gold in 2019. So if you're in the U.S., you can go to Green Fire Farms, see if they have them there. There are a couple of other farms that sell them to probably breeding stock that they got from Green Fire Farm. Right. You can do a Google search and see if you can find a farm near you. And you can, of course, order them from Green Fire Farm. Again, they have both the silver and the gold versions. Which are both pretty. Yeah. Straight run. And they are $99 per chick. I don't think that's bad for a rare breed chicken. I honestly feel like people don't pay enough for chickens. I feel like for what you get from a chicken, the breeders that hatch them should probably be making more. You either get this animal that will sustain you with eggs or become a lifelong companion. All for $4. Exactly. I really don't have a problem with breeders charging a realistic price for a chicken that recompenses them for all the expenses put out. Well, there might be less rehoming and less giving up if you had to pay $99 for a chicken versus $4. So people buying fewer chickens because they value them more because they pay more for them. I mean, there's logic there. I do see that. Chickens aren't the only ones that they do that with. Let's just say the whole little small animal exotic pet world. Yeah. Guinea pigs, hamsters, all of those animals, they have a very small price tag. So they're devalued. They're devalued. And then the same thing happens. So, yeah, I mean, but I think chickens are moving up in the world. And hopefully at some point, the value of what you're getting will be more than $4. Right. I mean, I don't think you need to price chickens. A rare breed is a different story. I don't think you need to price chickens where they're not accessible to people. Oh, yeah. But I do think that breeders should be able to charge well, a higher, a more sustainable price. And we don't want higher prices, but we do want higher value on life. And unfortunately, some people I out there put the value on life of how much you paid for the chicken. I don't want to pay higher prices to, say, a big box store. Yeah. But I do not have a problem recompensing a breeder or farmer what they deserve yeah. to make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that that's what it takes for people to realize the value of life. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you pay two cents or $200 or something. The value of life is still way, way above that. Absolutely. It's a living creature. So that is the quietly beautiful death layer. Death layer. A chicken that does not match its name. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. 
I want people to go look it up and like it on its own merit because it's such a beautiful little chicken. With such a strange name. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Are you looking for a vintage small farm feel for your egg packaging this year? Or are you looking to develop a unique brand image with custom packaging? The Egg Carton Store offers a wide variety of recyclable cartons, customizable stamps, poultry care products, and a robust customizing tool to design your own labels. Plus, they offer fast, free shipping on all cartons and labels. Visit eggcartonstore.com for all of your egg carton, label, stamp, and poultry care needs this spring. Okay, so we're going to go into our main topic. And this week's main topic, we do have a round table with Fiona. Yes. And what we're talking about with Fiona is featherware. So before we bring Fiona in, we wanted to talk just for a few minutes a little bit more about plucking of feathers. We didn't really mention it when we talked with Fiona, but we feel like it goes along with featherware. And we've been getting a lot of questions about it lately. Since we've recorded it with Fiona. Right. So we wanted to address a few things. The first thing is feather plucking or pulling. Feather picking. Picking, plucking, pulling can be one of a few things. It can be a protein deficiency only if they eat the feathers, or it could be due to boredom or bullying. I will say that in my experience, I've had a couple of chicks that were feather eaters, not feather pullers, right? but feather eaters. They were at the bottom of the pecking order and maybe were not eating enough. So once we got them beefed back up with protein, they ceased eating feathers. Right. I've also had a couple of feather pickers, right? which I think in their case was boredom and stress. And they were literally just picking bits of feathers off of the other chickens. Yeah. So they look very different. So we've had a few questions recently about this. And one is a doctor has told a person that just feather plucking or picking could be signs of a protein deficiency. So we wanted to clear that up. Unless they're actually eating the feathers. Right. It may not be a protein It's more likely to be a behavioral problem. A behavioral problem with either boredom or bullying. And even down to the chick level, we can see this. Yes, absolutely. I have an experience with my three barred rocks when they were babies. Poppy, Bernadette, and Cowgirl Penny. Bernadette, she had the nickname Bald Neck Bernadette. <laughs> because the other two... They're in the brooder, uh-huh. and I'm like, why is she losing feathers there? And yeah. then they plucked so much that she had a sore. Right. And she went to the vets and had to get antibiotics, and we had to put something on her neck to deter them from doing from picking, it. picking, yeah. Yeah, because she was just a baby. She couldn't be by herself. And they were picking on her. They were not eating her feathers. They no. were just picking on her. They were picking on her. Yeah. So for a long time, she was called Bald Neck Bernadette. And oh who God. wants that nickname? Nobody wants that. <laughs> Feathers overall can be an issue. Right. And coming up with Fiona, we're going to be talking about saddles with protecting feathers from cockerels. But we wanted to also just put it out there that the saddles can be used for any type of feather healing. Yes. Not just mating. A lot of times the feather picking will be on the chicken's back. And the lowest one in the... Absolutely the lowest ones in the pecking order. But if you're seeing a lot of picking on a hen's back... You can actually fit a saddle on her, even if she's only in with hens, to help cover some of those spaces. So they can't get to it. I would imagine if they were doing her chest, you could put a crop rod on her to try to protect her yeah, that way, too. Exactly. So there are some things you can use. We wanted to clarify that. Yeah, just we've had several questions about it lately, and it's not the easiest thing to find quick information on. Right. So there you go. That's the difference between feather eating and feather plucking. Yes. And now we're going to bring in the wonderful floof lady Fiona and talk about featherware from roosters. Okay. Let's bring in Fiona. Hiya. How are you doing? Good. So we have Fiona here for this month's round table. We love talking with Fiona. And usually we talk for hours before we even record, which again, we have done today. Two hours ago, we started, (laughs) I have to say. We've just stopped laughing. We had a little bit of catching up to do. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so much fun. And I've always said, I feel like I've known Fiona for 20 years. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) If we were all 20-year-olds together, me, that would have been dangerous. 
Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it would be dangerous. <laughs> Probably. So before we start with this month's roundtable with Fiona, we want to go back because in episode 64, The Skinny on Snacks, we were talking about soldier fly grubs and dried and oven baked grubs over in the UK and the reasons why they were not available. And we kind of mentioned the fact that any way that something can feed on catering waste, the UK says no go to feed to any other livestock. We were talking again with Fiona, and Fiona has done some extra research into this, and she wanted to bring us an update on this mm -hmm. so that we can clarify this for all of our UK listeners and everyone else. Yeah, so I always thought the reason we couldn't feed mealworms or dried insect larvae in the UK was because of the fact that they could be fed on catering waste. And because of our, we've got these rules which came about because we had BSC in cows a few years ago, which caused an outbreak of CJD, Creutzfeldt Jakob disease in humans. And there was a load of rules brought in around animal byproducts in the UK. And what that meant was that any food which had passed through a commercial kitchen, which could potentially have dealt with animal products, so whether it was vegetables or not, if they're in an area where meat had been processed in any way, shape or form, that couldn't be fed to livestock. And in the UK, chickens, whether they're a house pet, whether they're a backyard or whether they're in a farm, they're all legally defined as livestock. Right. So mealworms couldn't be fed. I believe that was because they were in the main fed on catering waste. And actually, there's lots and lots of very, very good authorities out there who also have this kind of information on their websites too yeah, right. and say that the same thing. Yeah. But I've done a bit more research and I have found a publication which it takes a bit of digging. It has to be said, the UK government, like most governments in the world, have multiple pieces of information in multiple places because the legislation itself is not easy to read. Right, I mean, I right. read the legislation, but even then, it's there's so much documentation in the legislation and it's not written in an easy way to absorb. So you tend to go to summary documents and various interpretations. And I finally found the relevant paragraph. And what it actually says is, dried terrestrial invertebrates brackets, insects, and processed animal proteins of insect origin cannot be used in farm animal feeds or in treats, for example, hen treats. So it doesn't matter what those insects are fed on. It's the fact that they're insects, which means you can't give them as hen treats, no matter what. So even if you manage to find in the UK mealworms, which you know have only ever been fed on apples, which have naturally fallen from apple trees as windfalls, you still can't give those mealworms to your chickens. It's the fact that they're mealworms. I think it was important to come on and just say yeah. that. Because, I mean, yeah. that reason actually blows my mind a little bit because that's what chickens eat. When no, they I, mean, range. I, I completely appreciate that. But the rules are, yeah. that's not just talking about hens, that's to farm animals. And they so put chickens under the farm animal category. Yeah. And chickens are legally livestock. So therefore right. farm animals, no matter yeah. how you keep them, they are legally farm and livestock. And that's why they had to put the little tidbit in about hen treats. We're trying to push for chickens to cross that barrier and become companion animals and not considered livestock. That's one of our goals through all of this. So hopefully one day that will change over there and they will be under a different umbrella. Thank you for looking that up because it's really good to clarify why. It's useful information. If you've been scratching your head trying to figure out, for instance, if we wanted to send treats to you in the UK and we were trying to find something that wasn't fed on catering waste... Now we know we can't send you anything insect related. Yes. So, <laughs> no, thank you for that clarification. It's good to have the actual right, right information there. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and I've sent the link as well to you, Holly. If you want to pop that on the show notes, that would be that would be great. Yes, and then yes. people thank can you. check it out on the government website. Okay, so this month's roundtable, we're going to talk to Fiona about feather wearing and everything that goes along with it. We're going to touch specifically on feather wear that's induced by amorous cockerels. <laughs> Get that, <Jace. laughs> 
It is March, and young roosters' fancies are turning to thoughts of love. (laughs) 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 My two cockles come racing out the cooper in the morning, and oh my goodness, the Frankie won't come out. She's Yes, honestly. Well, she's clever because she's the oldest one now. So all of the other youngsters come out and he, you know, gets his little wing feather out, does his little (laughs) dance. And then Frankie goes, now let it get out of system. Let him sort himself out and then I'll come out for my breakfast. It's fine. Exactly. Agatha Christie used to do that when Ricardo Montalban was alive. (laughs) He would come bursting out of the popcorn. (laughs) Jeez. Well, I mean, when you call him by the full name. Ricardo Montalban. I now have this image of the Latin lover and the tweed-clad lady. It just doesn't work. I'm sorry. He would come bursting out of the pop door, and he would generally run to his favorite hand, which was Esther Williams. And you'd see Agatha Christie with her little head coming out of the pop door. Is it safe? That's Frankie. Is it safe? That's Frankie, Esther, yeah. Poor Esther would take one for the team, and yeah, Frankie's smart. So this all goes back to featherware in hens. And now everybody can guess how it happens. Chickens mating. I'll be the one to say it's straightforward. They mate. They do. Sometimes okay, you'll go. hear people say overmating. They'll say my hens have been overmated. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do. So when the rooster climbs on the hen's back, they've actually got their feet squarely on their back. And it's that action which potentially over time, those feet can actually wear the top layer of feathers away. And in worst case scenario, they actually wear the down feather below away Mm -hmm. and bare skin is exposed. And actually the worst thing that could happen is bare skin. And you might not think it's a big deal, but think about that bald patch going into summer and the hot beating sun. Do you want a chicken with sunburn? Not to mention those feet coming on the bare skin can cause... Oh, yeah, the the claws. Yeah, it's not good. That actually makes a really good point because I often hear people say that their rooster has torn up their hen's back because of his spurs. That is not his spurs. His spurs point the other direction. Yes. It's his toenails. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real problem. Now, whether or not you've got the feathers being worn away, we use a, a little thing called a saddle. The saddle is what you think it is. It's, we were talking about this earlier when we were laughing because that's right about the cowboy. So, <laughs> giddy up horsey. So, essentially, it's, it's this wonderful canvas pad which just sits on the back of the chicken so that when he climbs on, his feet are not in contact with the feathers or in contact with the skin. They're right. in contact with a layer of canvas which protects the hen's back. So let's go into reasons why we can get those feathers to wear down rather than just, you know, yeah. from average mating of the two chickens. Um, well, there's three main reasons, and okay. it could be one or a combination of all three of these. So it could be that you don't have enough hens to the number of cockles that you've got. That's the first one. It could be that they're in a restricted space because you could have a lot of hens for the cockerel, but if they're in a restricted space, there is less area for the hens to run away if they're not interested. Because if you're free-ranging in a big field, the hens, if they're not interested, just run away. Just yeah. go find somewhere to hide. We know a lot of free-ranging. You do see them running, literally running, <laughs> like, and hiding behind other man. coops if they're not interested. <laughs> And the third possibility is that the hen is the favourite of the cockerel. So you could have a flock of hundreds and hundreds of hens with one cockerel. But if there's a little favourite, like Agatha Christie, it's a bit of a problem. So, you know, he will just go to that one hen. It may be they're a little bit slower than the others. It may be like my little Frankie, although you say she's clever, she does have that brain injury. And actually last year... She has learned this year to stay in the coop because last year she was the favorite and she was the first one to suffer with feather wear. So we had to put saddles on. So it could be one of those three reasons or it could be a combination of all three. So let's look at the first reason. Let's tell everybody how many hens is a good number to have per rooster. Somebody might say, well, I have two hens to one rooster. In our eyes, that's never enough. No. We always say the magic number is eight, at least eight hens per rooster to spread the love around, if we should say it that way. 
so that not one hen is getting too much? I've changed my mind a little bit. I would say eight to one in a free range environment. And that's what okay. I've always said. But with three years in the UK, we've had avian influenza restrictions. In restricted spaces, I would now say 14 to one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You almost doubled that number. Absolutely. <laughs> it has that much of an impact. I really think wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Last year, we had uh, 10 hens and one rooster in a restricted space, and all of the hens were in saddles by the end of the avian influenza restrictions. Every single one was in a saddle. He was busy. Yeah, so it definitely is a difference for free range versus in confinement in a run. In a confined run, I can definitely see how you would need more. And that's what's scary because a lot of people are like, I have four hens to one rooster in a run. And it's fine. I mean, I guess there are exceptions with personality and breed. There could be, yeah. You know, George the Nankin, he's fine with three or four hens. I don't necessarily know that's a bantam thing. That might just be because he's such a gentle guy. But you yeah, know, you make a good point because my experience is purely Orpingtons yeah. because that's what we breed. So we only keep Orpington cockerels. So I'm talking purely from that well, side. Well, it applies to Jersey Giants as well because Ricardo was, yeah. he was a love machine. <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. Every time you say his name now, I want to go, you know, like that lover with a with little sword. This is a shame the there's no video going with this because I'm I'm there doing little that sword swishes to go with the but noise. Never mind. Clips of this video. <laughs> okay, so what's it going to look like when we see this feather wear? The first layer would be the longer outer feathers. The very first signs that we notice is that now and again you'll see some white down tufts showing. Okay. And they don't necessarily get hidden quite as easily under the top layer. So it's not an obvious wearing of the feathers. Now, we've learned over time, when we've got them in restricted spaces, we'll immediately put a saddle on at that point. But you can, if you're in a free-range environment, if that's all you're seeing, I wouldn't worry about it so much. It's when you start to see a slightly larger patch of white down showing, I would say absolutely consider taking action at that point. Another point that I'm going to bring up, when chickens are molting, that could be a problem in itself if you have a ruin there with feather wear. I mean, because that's painful enough when the hens go through that, much less yes. a rooster trying yeah. to get on top of them. So that might be another thing to investigate what to do in that situation, because the saddle itself may hurt with those pin feathers coming through. That's a really good point. Actually, I think all of my roosters have been molting the same times as the hens. So they're not as loved. But, and loved. but our temperature is more extreme. Have you found that your cockerels are molting the same time as your hens, Fiona? We don't keep our cockerels long enough because we don't want them to right. mate with their offspring. Right. So right, right. Okay. our cockerels leave us within the first year. That's right. They don't get to the stage so of you don't get to that point, which I would be interested in hearing what yeah. happens. So if somebody out there is listening and has some insight on it, send us a message or exactly. an email. When the cockerels are molting, their sex drive is less at that point. In my experience, with however many roosters and cockerels we've had over the years, the molt is never as terrible as it is with a hen. A lot of their neck feathers are replaced and a lot of their tail feathers will fall out. They have this funny little funnel. Which really so that affects their sex drive? Yeah, they're quieter. Um, it must do because their energy levels has to drop, surely, yeah. because they, they need so much energy to produce those feathers. Those feathers, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good question. If there is anyone else out there who has encountered something different, let us know. I'm sorry, Fiona. I know you always rehome your cockerels at the end of the year, and yet I always say that. Yeah, I mean, it's think because with us, we are going to use the eggs which are produced, and we cannot risk having a cockerel which has given rise to a hen then mating with that hen. Yeah. The interbreeding is not fair on our buyers. We need genetically strong offspring, both for ourselves to keep for the next generation again. And so that our buyers get the best possible chickens. The other thing we need to look into with feather wear is feather breakage. What do we do at that point? If a feather breaks in half from the mating, do we leave it in and let it fall out naturally through the next molt? I would leave it in unless it's... That's what we do, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't actually see that that often, to be honest. We tend to see more the feathers wearing away. 
and the feathers may come out completely, but they really seem to break in half. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're either worn away or they're pulled out. You use saddles to prevent damage to your hens, but have you ever had a cockerel very quickly go through the feathers and lacerate the sides of a hen? Never. Okay. Not once. And I, I don't know whether that's luck, but we've been doing this for a number of years. We've never had that. So yeah. I would assume that if we didn't put the saddles on once the dam was exposed, we would be at risk of that. But we've never seen that happen with the proper secretary feathers uh-huh. on top. It's never been an issue. And actually what we try and do as well is we try and buy saddles which have got a fleece lining on the inside And I don't know whether it does make a difference, but it makes me think that it's a little bit of extra cushioning for the hen. Right. That brings me to the next question that I want to go to. At what point do you put the saddle on? I don't wait till they're worn. I look for the very first signs of seeing white down. If you see white down just showing once, it may be that they've just been preening and have pulled a white down feather out through the top layers. So I don't worry about it. I only see it once. If I see it three times from the same hen, that hen gets a saddle. And we do it almost straight away. Because the thing is as well, the cockles aren't great with aiming. So when they climb onto the hen's back, even with the saddle, sometimes they do get their feet underneath the saddle. So it only reduces the risk of the feather where it doesn't completely prevent it. So the sooner you can get the saddle on when you see it, the better, because the the greater your protection over time. If you wait until all you can see is white down and all the top layer's gone, you're going to end up with a ball patch by the end anyway. Yeah, Yeah. the down feathers are going to come out easily. Oh, yeah, so easily. You can get some really cute saddles. You can have fun with this. Of course, I'm going there with this. You know, oh, there's unicorns print. on some of uh, some exactly. of ours underneath. <laughs> it's like you know dress- the, the fleece lining that I was telling you about. If you look at our Instagram, the saddles on our chickens are kind of you know brown canvas. They're nice, but you know they're very practical. Underneath the fleece bit, the stars. I've got the unicorns. <laughs> oh. I've got. Harlequin checker plates. They're really quite jazzy. They're quite good. If you have to do it, hey, I'm, I'm going to have fun with this and, you know, get some good pictures. They're out there for a reason. So let's talk about the saddles now. You said they're made of a canvas because you need something that strong to protect against those toenails. There's no point in having one if the rooster's going to climb on and their their claws are going to go straight through the saddle. So it's got to be a strong material, yeah. So you want to make sure when you're shopping for a saddle that the top part where the rooster is going to put his feet is going to be a strong, strong material so that it stops those claws from going in. Yeah. The underneath can be fleece and soft and fuzzy to be against the skin. There are different formats of saddle as well. So you can get just plain saddles, which just cover their backs, or you can get ones called butterfly saddles where you've got little flaps over the top of their wings as well. So a lot of it depends on how your rooster actually climbs on your hen's back. If you find that they balance themselves on the top of the hen's wings, you can find that actually... It's the top of their shoulders. Uh That's where the feather wear occurs more than in the center of their back. The butterfly ones with the flaps over the wings just protect those areas as well. And it all depends on the behavior or individual rooster, what they're actually doing when they climb on the hens or the combination of rooster and hen. I never knew there was more than one type of saddle, but I don't have roosters. I'm extremely interested in how you fit them properly because this always goes back to Ricardo. Ricardo did lacerate the side of Esther. And back then, I actually made a saddle. I made it out of denim. And I was very clever. I decorated it. It was wonderful. No lace. No lace. Oh. (laughs) I put it on Esther. I thought it was on there pretty snugly. I went back out 10 minutes later to check, and the saddle was off. Yeah. I put it back on her and watched as she and her sisters pulled it off again. (laughs) So at that point, I gave up on the saddles. I'm super interested in hearing how you figure out the right saddle to put on a head. And how do you do it to make it stand? Well, the most important thing about the fitting is actually the length. So before we get onto the closures and how it actually goes on, the really important bit is the length between the shoulder blades, the top of where it's going to sit, and where it's going to end up on the hen's back. Because 
it's absolutely crucial that the hen can still get to the oil gland. Or we were laughing about this earlier because we yes. can't decide on how to pronounce this word. So we either say preen gland or oil gland. I say oil gland. You say preen gland. I'm going to say preen gland. Yes. I say uropygial gland. You guys yes. say uropygial gland. Uropygial gland. So if anyone wants to correct us, yeah, please do. But the important (laughs) thing is that's where they're going to get the oil to waterproof and showerproof the feathers. So they need to be able to access that. If you're not sure what that looks like, I do have a video on YouTube about chicken saddles. And there is a picture of the oil gland on there. I was telling Chrissy and Holly the story a little while ago. I did have a lady contact me a little while ago because she thought her chicken had a tumour. And I know that sounds strange, but actually if you're a first-time chicken keeper and you don't know about the oil or preen gland and you find it for the first time, it is a bit scary because it does stick up quite a long way and it could be mistaken as a growth. You'll see them going for it and then you'll say, what are you doing? People then understand, oh, they're getting oil from this little gland. Yeah. Yeah, but once you know, it's obvious, but if you don't know, it can be a little bit scary. But it's really important that the length, that you measure that and you buy a saddle, which is an appropriate length so that that gland is still available to the chicken. Okay. And then it's the fitting itself. And there's multiple different fittings you can get on the market. So at the top of the saddle, there's two loops and those two loops are are basically tape loops, which go over the shoulders of the hen's wings. And usually one, you slip the wing into one of the loops and then the other one is fixed with either a popper or a Velcro or even a button. And depending on how clever your chickens are, it depends on which fastener you go for. I don't like Velcro. My feeling is that the Velcro teeth can potentially get caught in the chicken's feathers themselves. Mm -hmm. And that always worries me. So I've never bought the Velcro ones. I mainly have popper ones, but it has to be said, lollipop, flipping little lollipop, that chicken, I had to put four different saddles on that (laughs) flipping hen this week until I could stop her because she has worked out how to undo the poppers. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh, wow. I know. She really is. So I've managed to get one with a popper, which is strong enough that she can't get it off. But I probably will buy one with a button or I may replace one of the ones that the popper has started to degrade a little bit and I will replace it with a button and that's what she'll get. Okay. This is one reason we wanted to come on here and talk about this with everyone because it can be confusing, especially if you're a first-time chicken mom or dad and you are confused about what to do and how and where to get this. They can be confusing. So it's good to know like you need to measure first. You need to make sure it's a very strong material because when you go and you Google chicken saddles, you're going to see like 500 different things. Right. There's tons of them without a lot of information. Right. So it's very difficult to know where to go first, what you should try first. So I'll have the link in the show notes or you can head straight to English Country Life on YouTube and check out the video on chicken saddles, how to protect against feather wear. You don't want to spend money on all these different saddles and then you can't really send them back. It's very hard sometimes to send these things back. One of the most important things I want everyone to take away from this is you need to measure all the way to make sure that you are not covering up the oil gland because the oil gland, the preening gland needs to be accessible to these chickens so that their feathers can remain healthy even with the saddle on. Right. Once you measure and realizing where you need it, I love the fact that the little shoulders can be covered (laughs) and there's different things to look for. So it may seem silly to talk about this, but it's not. You don't want a chicken with sunburn, trust me. And let's go into that because here's the other thing. In the summer, when all this is going on, if you have a chicken that has skin exposed, it's the same thing that if we have skin exposed, you need sunblock. Yeah. Or put the saddle right back on so that it's blocked from the sun if you don't want to have to use anything. And that would be the safest way to do it is to block the sun with the saddle. But before you even get there, the saddles are really important if you're having a roux and hens together in a flock, for sure. And the one thing to say, actually, anybody that's worrying about their chicken being able to dust bathe, 
they're absolutely fine with the saddles on because actually when they fluff themselves up in the dust bath or sand bath, they have this wonderful way of when they lift their wings up, their little saddle kind of flaps up as well so that they can still get the sand and the dust underneath the saddle, no problem whatsoever. So it's not a problem. It's all in the fitting and it's really important. We talk about overbreeding, and yes, it is absolutely a thing, but if you're a breeder, you want your cockerel out there going giddy-up. You want him doing his job, so you have to do what's going to protect your hens and still let nature take its course. I think the thing that wowed me the most is in confinement, 14 hens to one roo. That really wowed me. I remember last spring, Fiona told us a story about Ramses. You and Hugh were out with a cup of coffee and you watched him tread oh, yeah. every single head three yep. times. Yes, I remember yes. that. And that was just boy. one cup of coffee. Very active boy. Yeah, I, and I think it all goes a lot with the personality of the roost, but in the confinement, it does make sense. You yep. know, you have to really watch. Yeah. And right now with avian flu over in the UK and avian flu over in the US, confinement is a real thing that we all have to be looking into. Yeah. So that comes into consideration. And again, yeah. that takes us to have a rooster plan if you don't want a rooster and know what you're going to do. And it may have be a case of actually during this time when you're having to confine, like we're having to in the UK as well, that your rooster needs to be in a separate enclosure to the hens. Yeah. If it becomes a problem, that may be the thing to do. Yeah. If that's what works best for the safety of your hens, then yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the yeah. rooster himself also. Right. So. So Fiona, can you tell us some of your favorite places to get saddles? I use a lady at a website called chickenbreeder.co.uk and she's actually the only one that we've ever used because the saddles are absolutely fantastic. Okay. Um, I think she ships worldwide, but I'm not entirely sure. I we will can, check. We yeah. will check that out. We can Definitely. put it in the show notes, yeah. They're beautifully well, made and she does a very good job. And she does them in multiple sizes and she gives information on how to measure and how to fit them on the site too. That's oh, that's awesome. great. I wish I'd known all this when I was trying to put a saddle on Esther. It did not go well. When you made your little jean. Well, I'm yeah. impressed that you made one actually. She would not keep this on. She ended up living in the house for two weeks until the laceration on her side healed. Okay, so we want to say thank you to Fiona. We always have so much fun on our roundtables. We laugh for hours first before we even hit the record button. And Fiona, you bring us such amazing information, things that we don't even know all the time. That's why we have you on. Absolutely. And we're going to start getting short broody reports from Fiona for this year's bunch of breeding hens. I'll be telling you all about the fertility of Mr. White very shortly. Because we've got a load of (laughs) eggs in the incubator and we are going to be seeing how well he's been doing. We'll get the scores on the doors very shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Until next month, Fiona, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. We just want to say thank you again to Fiona. Fiona is very special to us for a lot of reasons. One of the things Fiona is best known for is breeding top quality heritage breed English Orpingtons. Oh, yeah. For that reason, because she's really done a yeoman's work or yo woman's work with this breed, working towards good genetics, teaching people how to hatch their own chickens. And top-notch care. Absolutely. We have Fiona in here for Women's History Month because we do feel like she is an extra special chicken lady who has made a substantial contribution to the chicken keeping world. She has, for sure. And she's a dear friend of ours. One of our besties. So. Yep. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Fiona. Make we sure, love you. Make sure you follow Fiona on social media. She is at the Floof Lady on Instagram. And her YouTube channel, English Country Life, is well worth watching. You can watch the videos over and over and learn tons oh, from yeah, her. For sure. So let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Okay, so this week it's your recipe that we are bringing. You eat this a lot. Yeah, I, I actually developed this recently and kind of am addicted to it. We have what would be a company call every day in the morning, every single morning, and we talk bright and early, and we talk over our plan for the day, what's happening. We're going to see each other. Sometimes the call's a little shorter. If not, the call can be long, long, long. We work constantly. We consult. We brainstorm. We 
come up with all we kinds do our of stuff. Yeah, exactly. We, we do things we have to send out, whatever. We work via phone or in person every single day to make this a reality. So during this time and where the story is actually going for cracking the eggs is there are many mornings when Holly Ann is eating this for yes, breakfast. That's right. While we are working. Yep. So it's like very uh, familiar recipe. Yeah. <laughs> <to me>. yeah. <laughs> You've heard about all my variations. Savory baked oatmeal is the recipe this week. Sounds weird is really good. Okay, so go ahead and tell us about it. Just like a sweet baked oatmeal, like a baked apple oatmeal or like the baked pumpkin pie oatmeal that we did back in the fall. And I tend to go towards a sweet oatmeal. I generally love it, but for a change, this is really good. Yeah. So it doesn't need a ton of ingredients. If you're cooking for a family, it wouldn't last as long. But if you're just making it safe for yourself, right. you can get almost a week's worth of breakfast out of it. Yeah. You're going to use old-fashioned oats because they hold up better in the baking. Just for the opposite of why we give the chicken oats that are instant so exactly. that they break down quicker. Right. Old-fashioned oats, eggs, milk or dairy-free milk. Right. You want your veggies, some seasonings, and I like a bit of cheese or dairy-free cheese. Okay. And to keep things simple, I actually like to use broccoli and I steam it ahead of time. And then just reheat it. Just mix it in. Yeah. So it bakes. I also like peas and or asparagus in this recipe. They're all delicious. But you can use really veggies of your choice. Asparagus is one of my all-time favorite vegetables. And it's delicious with eggs. And it's spring, so now's the time to start thinking about using it. Early spring. Yeah. I actually like this with another egg or two served on top or on the side. Right. Just some extra protein because there's only two eggs in the recipe. Right. A really fun variation. You can add curry powder to this, and it's delicious if you like a sweet madras curry. Right. So you do it the same way you do the sweet oatmeals. You make a custard base with the eggs and the milk okay. and your seasonings. You mix all of your liquid ingredients together. You toss your veggies with your oats and the seasonings, and then you pour that custard base on top. Put it in the baking pan. You're going to bake it. It's usually about 40 minutes, but it can depend on your veggies. That's it. It's that simple. And then you can cut it into squares or pie-shaped and have it every morning of the week or for a family for breakfast. Yeah, it actually is super easy. It's really delicious. You can change it up. You can add, say, cooked onions. You could add... You can make it a Southwest oatmeal. These are the recipes that we always pick because every person's an individual. Yeah. So everyone may have a little different taste buds. And we like things that you can make your own. Right. This is one of those things. When you start with oats, a very broad base. It's a, yeah. Oats are a nice neutral base it's for a, a lot of that's things. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's a neutral base. And you can add a lot of different flavors to it to taste the way you want Absolutely. it to taste. I mean, as a vegetarian, I'm not going to put meat in it. But you can. You can mix meat into it. Really, the sky's the limit. And oats are heart-friendly, they're good for you, and eggs are your protein and good for you, and they go well together. Yeah. I always eat, like, a sweet oatmeal. That's just me. I always have a sweet tooth, so. I actually do have a sweet tooth, too, but I was looking for other breakfasts to mix up, and I just didn't want a sweet breakfast. I, you know, for a change, I wanted something savory. I had a bunch of veggies. Well, if you like the sweet one, we do do one right before Thanksgiving. If you go back in the episode, I think it's the week before our Thanksgiving and episode. And that's the baked pumpkin pie oatmeal, and boy, is it good. I made that for Thanksgiving, and everyone loved it. It's, it's delicious. It's crustless, and it's great. Yeah. So there's all different kinds of ways that you can work the eggs into the oatmeal to give you protein, everything else. Absolutely. This looks really cute if you cut it into slices and then, say, serve it with two fried bantam eggs on the top. It's <laughs> yeah. a really cute presentation. It's a Delicious. Good yes. So we're keeping it simple because, you know what, we're coming into spring soon. We're all going to be super busy and we want simple recipes that last a few days. I've been told by at least one mom that if you cut your vegetables into tiny bits and make this, you can sneak a lot of veggies into the kids. Oh, I'm sure. You have to do it tiny so they don't see that green. In right. There. I mean, I like, that green? I like the chunks, but yeah. My nephew, Tommy, came over and I watch him on Thursdays and take him to preschool. Uh-huh. And he asks every time for eggs. He knows where the best eggs are. I know. I'm like, okay. I get out the pan. I make him some scrambled eggs and I put pepper on him. And he's like, what's that black stuff? <laughs> no pepper. No. And I'm like, it's pepper. Try it. You'll like it. He tries a bite and he goes, yay, pepper. <laughs> liked it. God, that's funny. <laughs> so every time he comes over, he says, CC, blue egg. So I'm like, okay. Oh, he has to have specifically a blue egg? He likes a blue egg. From one of the leg bars? Yeah. Okay. He likes them. So try it. Send us pics. We love to see the recipes. And it'll be yummy for breakfast. Yeah. So now it's about that time that we move on to retail. 
therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Retail therapy. We're continuing with the featherware. We want to tell you where to get those saddles. Yes. We talked about this with Fiona, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more in detail. And we're going to give some options. Right. Some places to go. Old Reliable Amazon. Yeah. You can always find these things if you need them same day, next day. Right. If you find Prime, they're not going to be handmade. But right. if you need them quick, quick, quick. After my experience with my homemade pen saddle that the girls would not leave on Esther, that Esther would not leave on herself. Yeah. I really think that Fiona's suggestion of fitting them properly oh, is yeah. huge. So the website she gave us, chickenbreeder.co.uk, there is a poultry saddle fitting guide. You take measurements of your chicken so that you can measure exactly where it's going to go yeah. and it's the right fit. Like Fiona said, it's the length that may be the most important. Right. I mean, in retrospect, I was fitting a saddle on a Jersey Giant. Right. And so I don't think I had it anywhere near large enough. Which you handmade with no lace. You're right. It was, it was <laughs> denim with no lace. My goodness. Damn! You know what? Denim needed some lace on Apparently there. it did. Maybe they were I... like, oh, this has no lace. It's got to go. Mom, this is not frilly enough. Get it out of here. Okay. So that's one place where you can go. Oh. We do believe she does ship at least to the U.S. Yes, she does ship to the U.S. You might have to go through her Etsy shop, but she links it right on the website. And, of course, we'll have the website in our show notes. The other really great place, which you just said, is Etsy. Yeah. So Etsy is everything homemade, top quality. They put it on there. There's reviews you can look at. Right. So there are so many. I'm talking so many. Tons of handmade chicken tons. saddles. Yes. And some of I them have are. I say this because the ones I just found are hilarious. There is a set that you can get with sayings. Uh huh. Okay. One saying is, want to tap this. The other saying is, I've had better. And my personal favorite? Oh, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was too much fun. Clearly, this is amusement for the chicken keeper, not the chicken, but right. that's okay. Gertie just started, oh, I know, Gertie's like, stop like, laughing. What? And Holly, stop laughing. So if you have to use it, at least have a little more fun. Exactly. Number but, one, make sure it fits your head properly. <laughs> yes. Number two, have fun with it if you can. Okay, so where else do you have? Our old friends at Crazy K Farm, our favorite crop bra maker, they also make hen saddles. Yay. Yeah. And we know they're top quality, top Absolutely. Notch, so you're going to get something that's going to work. Yeah. And again, you have to measure to make sure this has the proper fit. Right. If you don't measure and you guess, you may have a wrong fit. And then it won't work for you and you'll be frustrated. Well, and then like what happened with me, I went out there five minutes <laughs> later and the head saddle was in a bundle of the mud. And the head saddle also had written on their cock blocker. And I drew a rooster on it too. <laughs> but the girls didn't care. They ripped it off and let it lay in the dirt. So yeah. All that hard work. This was early on in my chicken saddle making career. It was a short career. (laughs) (laughs) All that hard work. And they're like, get this off of me right now. I mean, I really do think the other hens helped Esther take that off. (laughs) They were like, that is not good, man. The speed of lightning. They were like, yeah, no. Get rid of this lady. I also found someone chewy. Chewy.com. All together, go for all your pet needs. Chewy yeah. is now starting to carry a lot more chicken stuff. Well, I got to tell you, I got a super good sale on Cozy Coop Heaters from them several months back. So I trolled the Chewy site for chicken stuff. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they add new stuff. It's a good place to check. It's pretty quick delivery. You know what I also found on there? I was reordering something that Andrea had put in the chicken love box. Uh-huh. And it was this tiny crushed grit and oyster shell. And that's what I use for the Bantam Nankins. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's perfect. Anyway, shout out for Chewy. Yay, Chewy. In all of these things that we've researched, did we see any saddles for Bantam girls? I wonder if you go into the sizing. Yeah. They would be extra small. I would think so, yeah. And then, you know, we go in and look at, once they're measured, they might have to be specially made. Right. I didn't really see anything on Etsy that said for Bantams, but I bet you if you go in, and you yeah. put it in, and, or you speak with somebody dirty hand-making them. They exactly. can scale them down to the size you need. I did a quick search, and actually several of the makers on Etsy do carry bantam sizes, yeah. Like you said, a lot of these you do need to measure and know the length that you're looking for. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And Etsy's going to be a place to go because homemade, handmade. Handmade, right. And here's the other thing Fiona has told us when we talked to her about this. It needs to be durable. Yes. She's talked about heavy canvas or leather or something like that on the outside and soft on the inside. Yeah, some layering, which makes sense. And like we mentioned earlier, don't be afraid to use these on a rooster if you need to. I mean, maybe you don't want the ones with the sayings. But <laughs> don't be afraid to use these on a rooster if he has a place that's pecked and you need to protect it. Yeah, anywhere that there's feathers out, you can use it. Right. It keeps flies out. It keeps bacteria out. It really helps with feather picking and injury. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are spotlighting the absolutely adorable Japanese bantams. <laughs> Our main topic is an interview with Kelly, the woman behind Adopt the Bird Network. And like I said, I think she needs a cake. She's kind of a superwoman. Cracking the eggs. Classic pancakes. We're keeping it simple. Cannot again. go wrong. Retail therapy. We're doing ceramic egg holders, the tabletop. I love them. I type. have a lot of different ones. They're fantastic. I and love just them. Just wait. Yeah. You're going to love it. That'll be a lot of fun. So, what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.